railroad. Before the stars can be paid, there gotta be a dope ass story on the page. Let the beast about the cage, that light about the dark. Can you build the inferno from an itty bitty spark? Coffee shop hustlers rise with the cream. A million other writers, same Hollywood dream. Your pen and paper, all like bullets in the gun. Write what you feel, say what you want in the railroad. We say what we say, we do what we feel. We gotta keep it real in the railroad. All about the crap of screen writing. Fill my bottle up with lightning up in the railroad. So look, if you guys are grown, let's go ahead and get in. Uh, yeah, what's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room, where we keep it real, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what, everybody? 2016. Hold on, hold on, I gotta get this Twix, She's man. trying to eat that guy. Wait, Twix. and I have to say this, because <laughs> Brandon is here, we just had the discussion before we started taping, uh-huh. Atlanta is the blackest thing <laughs> ever, <laughs> ever. Why you gonna be yelling all into I, Because I'm so excited about that show, y'all don't understand, y'all don't understand. All right, go ahead. Oh, I, I liked it too. Uh, you know what? Yeah, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. So look, on this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture. But our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. Now, y'all hear her voice. Mm-hmm. Lisa Bolacaja, mm. a.k.a. Street Nerdist, mm-hmm. a.k.a. <laughs> Sophista Ratchet, a.k.a. The original L Boogie. The original L Boogie. Before y'all know who L Boogie was on the East Coast. The Black Gidget of Mission Beach. A.k.a. All the other A.K.A. stuff. All right, I'm here. Hashtag, she'll cut you, bitch. She'll cut you. Cut a bitch. Cut a bitch. Exactly. So, before we started, Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon, and I'll introduce you in just a fuck it. Some since I got you, they know Brandon. God on our damn show. it, Come on. y'all know him, Brandon Easton, <laughs> uh, writer, producer, pimp dog himself. Y'all know him, comic book writer. Uh, what else? I'm forgetting nine now that are hyphens. What That's about it. I call him Baseball a teacher too because we know his pants. Oh, yeah. He's always teaching and dropping my podcaster. Yes, right? he does. Exactly. Yes, exactly. Yes. He's he giving them game, don't mm. he? Look, exactly. I be watching him tweets me. He goes to Comic Con and people are like, and this happened. I'm like, oh yeah, that's Brandon. Y'all so better look, be taking notes. Before we started the goddamn show, y'all, mm-hmm. why was they were talking about Atlanta? Mm. So it's gonna be some. Uh, I'm gonna let y'all go ahead and go in for a minute about it. But so if, if y'all if y'all don't even watch it yet, like I haven't watched it. You know, it's going to be some... Uh, you can still see the first episode, I believe. If you don't have cable, mm. but you have, have computer. Look, not everybody's got cable. Not everybody has that. Y'all need to stop with that. Sadly. Not no, everybody has cable. Okay, that's some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> some people don't have resources like that. But but I believe uh, FX did have it for a minute. They did have the first episode streaming free mm-hmm. that you can watch. So you can still watch it. Uh, I'm pretty sure when it comes on, they'll probably show the couple. Because I know the night that it premiered, they showed hey, it back FX to back. Is that a regular channel? Mm-hmm. Or is that a cable no, channel? No, it's cable channel. It's cable. Damn, yeah, it's cable. Yeah, so try, try to see. I'm just saying. All I'm saying, for everybody, but black people in particular... <laughs> What you like about it? What's so good? Okay, let me tell you. And I was just telling Brandon this. It's it, okay. Some of those of you who know, I'm, I've, I've been a tomboy. So growing <laughs> up, most of my friends have been guys, mm. you know. And so I've always had like this kind of like front seat 
watching black dudes be mm-hmm. black dudes who like now this is this is important not mm-hmm. some black dudes are not going to be open around women being there but mm-hmm. because i was one of the homies mm-hmm. i've been privy a lot of stuff same with my stepfather he owned a um, mechanic's garage he owned mm-hmm. his own garage mm-hmm. so i grew up with dudes from like the 50s 60s and 70s mm-hmm. those who migrated out from <laughs> the south school cats. like i'm talking about OG. cat daddy og the one who said yo hey young blood so when young i blood, yeah. right right <laughs> so when i have to put the powder down to like get the grease and stuff yeah. from the oil oh, yes. like I would be sweeping and they'd be talking and they forget I was there because I was a tomboy. Was real like, like my stepfather <laughs> had to remind people because he had a baseball bat. Hey, he says, look, there, this is my daughter. <laughs> if any of y'all get out of pocket and plus, you know, I'm going to let y'all know. Like he mm. had the baseball bat right there. So mm. I was pretty secure <laughs> because he would hire like Mr. Good Thing. Hey, God rest you, Lee. Love you, love you, love you. But he would hire like ex-prisoners when mm. nobody's giving him a chance. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So when they would hire these dudes, they come in. He give them the talk like, "I will beat your brains in. This is my daughter. <laughs> don't, don't, don't get out of pocket." Okay. So I was privy to <laughs> he a was lot. OG, wasn't mm. he? Yeah, he was. <laughs> Thugs, the Nation of Islam, Black yeah. Panthers. Like I've had a blessed experience with mm. black men. But one of the things I love about Atlanta is it's this new younger generation that we're getting privy to see. Where you know that um, Donald Glover specifically said, and he's told people this: his whole entire room, his writer's room, is black he did mm-hmm. and this is important because atlanta is one of the most unfiltered black shows mm-hmm. that i have ever seen on tv in like what we way? Get some, in what way? Like i'll what? put it this way there are certain blackisms <laughs> 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 there's a certain negritude uh-huh. okay negritude. okay <laughs> there are certain africanisms <laughs> that like there are certain things that one there's a, there's a specificity to this show mm-hmm. especially if you're from atlanta Mm-hmm. Or you know people from Atlanta or you've been through Atlanta. Okay. There are certain things in the writing that even if you don't know what it is, the the acting, the characters, it makes you want to hang out with these dudes. And mm-hmm. what I love about the show, it's not about people on the come up doing well. It's about the grind, everyday oh. grind. Mm-hmm. And I think this is important because we have never seen that mm-hmm. from these type of actors at this level in terms of age. And also because there's just certain things that this show does within, like we were just talking about the second episode, yeah. the prison scene, the jail scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they went. I mean, in twenty minutes now, mm-hmm. they went over homophobia, uh, transphobia. Mm-hmm. They went over uh, men- mental health issues. Mm-hmm. They did a little bit of police violence. Mm-hmm. They talked about a young so man. So real current, yeah, and like, multi generational, multi generational. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like you get a front row seat, unfiltered, of just seeing young blackness, mm-hmm. black maleness, which I think is really important and distinct because there's not that many female characters in it. This is how real I knew the show was. The first. Five minutes of the show. Mm-hmm. They showed a sister in the bed with her man. <laughs> and she had a bonnet, a silk bonnet on her head. Bitch, you ain't never seen <laughs> a TV show with a black woman mm-hmm. in bed, no makeup, with her bonnet on. They never show you that. I mean, go look at all the shows that got black women in it. You know, we're all glamorous. Is that the makeup. one you said was having sex with a white dude? Or who was no, that was, no, that was uh, Queen Sugar. Oh, that's, that's a whole different ballgame. That's a whole different ballgame. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, <laughs> this is when I knew that yeah. keying into detail, like, mm-hmm. that's some real, that's some black men. Black men, raise your hand if your woman, <laughs> if you got a sister, ties that head up at night you know with that do. silk scarf. You know all right? Do. Like, to me, that was like the first glimmer, like, all right, we he he being for real. He mm-hmm. ain't, he's not bullshitting. So it's just, I don't know. It's just something about that show. I mean, the the two guys. Uh, what is it? Uh, Paperboy. 
and Darius, mm. the character, shout out. Like, they're like the dynamic. Like, I want to cosplay Darius at Comic Con <laughs> next year. Like Snoop Dogg? I wanna, yeah, he, he I played wanna, Snoop Dogg in the I want oh, oh, to wear the turban that he took his t shirt. I want to walk around with some lemon pepper chicken in a box <laughs> with a flashlight that glows. <laughs> like, I just like, that's how real. I mean, this is coming from a black woman who loves black men and mm. loves it when they get to, to define and tell their story mm-hmm. in such a way. I mean, it's not a perfect show. Yeah. I know some people are probably looking like, what the hell is well, going still on? still trying to find themselves. It's like, too, it's, right? like a, it's like a quirky, it's like one of the first black quirky boy, mm-hmm. oh, black joy. Yeah. I mean, I can't even de- describe it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so it's they one give of you the male version of Easter Ray and shit. Yes. It's sort of like Misadventures of an Awkward Black Male. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really oh, okay. is. Pretty much. Yeah. And I think, well, you know, she already said it very eloquently. The second episode, the first episode's fun. Right. You know, it's a great introduction. It does right. what a pilot does very, very well. Right. But in the second episode, you delve into a situation I've never seen where you, it shows you what it's actually like to be in it, trying to get out on bail. Yes. So Donald Glover's character is sitting, waiting to post, because mm-hmm. he's not even in the system yet. So oh, he's yeah. there for about maybe 16 hours, mm-hmm. and you see the gamut. Uh, it, it's almost like a, a one-act play. It really is. Where you see all these people come and go mm-hmm. in the prison system. Every person in there is black except for the CEOs. I mean, all the CEOs are black except for the one in charge. is a white man. Interesting. Right? And yeah. you deal with... I mean, one of the greatest exchanges I've ever seen on modern television mm-hmm. is, the, is, is a transgender scene where a guy is talking to someone he claims not to have known was transgender. Right. Really? And another guy says, you know that's a man, right? He's <laughs> like, no, he's not. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, well, I'm not gay. And it's like, well, you know that's a man, right? And, then, <laughs> and, then, and, you, and you see this whole thing go over the face, something you don't normally see with African-American masculinity mm-hmm. in pop culture, right. where there is the fluidity of sexuality mm-hmm. and is. whether or not... And, and you see this person... So Right. realize that he's bisexual possibly oh, interesting. but it's done it in such yes. a subtle and genius tra- right. way yeah. and the transgender character right. there's I don't I don't know if the, I, I hope it's a real transgender actor yeah. because yeah. that yeah. would be phenomenal because I think it is there's a look yeah. in her face mm. where yes. like to yeah. me it was like there's an understanding that he like my opinion he homeboy knew. knew he knew Right. That that was a trend, that that was the love his that was his woman, mm-hmm. but because he had to put on that mask of toxic cool masculinity, mm-hmm. yep. because she looks at him like, mm. dude, you know we we in love, <laughs> we done when, a lot. When we get out of here, <laughs> okay. we we gonna, when, when the doors are closed, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. And, and the thing is, like, it doesn't it doesn't have that. But you know, some writer might put a big dramatic scene where the transgender character be like, oh my god, you've denied me. I'm mm-hmm. this. Like it was so real. It was like mm-hmm. and that flicker of that eye looked like, yep. Negro, you know, you mm-hmm. and me, we like done this. a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know what? Mm-hmm. I understand that you got to play this role. You got to do what you got to do yeah. to survive. See, this, I ain't gonna fuck. Never this seen tells that. Me, you ain't never this seen tells like me, that. and I haven't even seen it. But right. this you tells me, like this that. tells me a lot about the writers' room. Yes, you know what I mean. Yeah. They really have a variety. Just mm-hmm. because they're all black doesn't mean there's not a variety of right. different people in that right. room. God bless right. you. Feel me? Absolutely. Right. They mean and absolutely. No, and there's no judgment. Like for example, yeah. there's gonna be some people like, oh, well, I don't like how you know people talk. Because there's one point where it's hilarious because it's so fucking real. Mm-hmm. Is when he says, "Nigga, you gay." Right. Like, he says, no, no, that's what I did in prison. No, see, that's what you, you that in jail. Is. When no, you in jail, but you're out you here. Didn't do that gay you made shit a decision. Right. But you was out, nigga, and you made that decision. <laughs> right. And t- I sat there, I'm like, I had to rewind that shit. <laughs> and Donald Glover was like, I had to call <laughs> some homies, like, bitch, listen, <laughs> you ain't seen this shit. Like, rewind right. that shit back. And it's like, and there's no judgment because it's like, you know, most people think that's fucked up. But I love no. the fact that it's like, they're just showing you, like, it's like they're giving you this palette. Mm hmm. 
you make the decisions what you want for the narrative to be. Mm-hmm. He's just holding up the camera like this is it. The it is what it is. And, and he, he takes a neutral stance he, as a character. Very neutral. He's very neutral. Yeah. Shockingly, he's just yeah. trying to he's trying to hang in there. And oh my god, he's it's, like I wasn't a big fan of his before. I think I like him. Oh, yeah, I've always his liked rap him. Is off the, yeah, I love rap him as Thomas Gambino, off. but right. in terms yeah. of like his other stuff, I've never got to see him play the character I think he really has always wanted to play, mm. which is basically he had to write his own shit. Yeah. Right. Well, Dan Harmon wasn't going to write him. Yeah, and it's like that. Yeah, yeah. and I think on, a lot of you know. and he said it himself. He said, "Yeah, some people, you know, because yeah, he liked the show. Yeah, because he did. Yeah, you know, it wasn't because of money. He's like, motherfucker, I ain't doing shit. Yeah, I know he knows his self worth and what type of storytelling he can take. So that's an artist. And I loved him for being that quirky black boy because we need more of those yeah. yes. and, it's, and it's it's important to see that mm-hmm. but it's important to see quirky black boys from the hood with they people because yeah. a lot of times we he's have a, quirky he's like, a backpack example, nigga and I think he's a backpack is, dude yeah. right? and you this is I mean? why yeah. I think it's important because mm-hmm. a lot of times that quirky yeah. blackness and community the TV show he was on mm-hmm. what it happens is it always acts like the quirky blackness is something exceptional in the black community and it is mm-hmm. not I'm yeah, telling yeah, y'all right now right. Mm-hmm. I was a quirky black girl in the hood we, we all exist. were yes pretty much and <laughs> we and if you know we come from in that neighborhood we had all times to classes we had the rich the poor the lower classes Atlanta is showing you that families who own homes who they son who went who fucked up at Princeton yeah. and came back and they was like you're not nah, living nigga, here you, you're not even coming in the house right. <laughs> we don't put this money and you fucked up okay. that's you're some done. real shit yeah. if it had been a white family well yeah. son you can come on home and mm-hmm. we'll work it out like bitch we don't put this we <laughs> days we don't work and you don't fucked up and then how do you show that and I, mm-hmm. that's why I'm so excited about the show because it's like when he was on Community it was like that so how many episodes of it two so far, two so far. Two. Uh, by the time we just yeah. come on but here it's like quirk and even what's his name Darius is a quirky black boy yeah. You know, I mean, he's not just a pothead character. He's weird. He's man. and it's surreal. And when the Nation of Islam dude was like, "Nigga, take this sandwich." Sandwich. Right? I was huh. like, I have been in that and situation. And the dog. <laughs> and the dog. Like, it's the we, dog. We, we still haven't really dealt with what this dog. Yeah. What this means. Know. You know. I'm sorry. I also got symbols yeah. in there. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's some. Yeah. So I, I apologize, yeah. but whenever you get a great show that's mm. on like that, and you want people to watch it, because I don't know if we'll ever see anything like this again. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm ready to buy. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to buy. I'm ready to buy the box set. Same here. It's not for everybody but for me who's who's been waiting for something that's like I need to see something different from blackness because mm-hmm. I know it's there and we never get to see it I have to give him kudos because it's like he's given you so much in such a short period of time and I hope the show does really really well True. and I love the actors in it and mm-hmm. it's we'll see how it goes but right. black people we need you to write more shit like that that's what's up that's what's <laughs> up well look go out and watch Atlanta on FX mm-hmm. right yes DVR TiVo whatever the fuck you call it yes <laughs> you know do that shit <laughs> um, so check it out we mm-hmm. wanted to have my man Brandon Easton on today um, we did an episode where we talked about um, the mid-level the upper mid-level rather right. rather with, uh, with Jeffrey um, Thorne so Brandon hit us and said, hey, dude, because we've been talking about getting you back Absolutely. on for a minute anyway. Yeah. So Brandon gave us a suggestion of, well, let's go back and talk about the lower level writer again. And, and that, that stage where you get on a show, you're on a season or two, and then bam, motherfucker, up. you gone. <laughs> now mm-hmm. how are you going to get another job? That's real. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's real, that's real talk. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, damn it, what you going to do, Jesus. Brandon? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'll give you a little bit of backstory on where I'm feeling right now. Tell the kids um, a little bit, just who's never absolutely. Been to this show. Yeah, um, I'm Brandon Easton. I am a uh, comic book writer, graphic novelist, whatever you want to call it. Um, I was a uh, broken in the industry working on the Thundercats reboot. Mm-hmm. Then I worked on Transformers Rescue Bots. Then I did the ABC writing program in 2015. Mm-hmm. And during that period of time, I was staffed on Marvel's Agent Carter season two. Mm-hmm. Got an episode, went over really well. Had yeah, a lot of greatness. I seen it. Yeah. Then next mm-hmm. thing you know, the show gets canceled. Damn. So. 
Motherfuckers riding high, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't know if I was a kid, right? <laughs> I didn't know if I was going to get back or not. I mean, there's no way to tell that no. in retrospect. But yeah. the fact that that opportunity closed meant that I had to get back into the yeah. world. So then I managed to get representation, mm-hmm. you know, for what it's worth. And staffing season came. Hmm. Let's get in. <laughs> so what I found is... Based well, basically, I'll, I'll say something else real quick. Sure, sure. I went to a WGA panel, which you know, Mister. Yeah, yeah we put it here. on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called "Getting Your Second Foot in the Door." It's about mm-hmm. getting your second staffing. And some people on the stage had a lot of good stuff to say. Some people were just saying things that didn't make any sense. But <laughs> the one thing that I definitely got if was you that, get one thing. That's why right. you go right exactly mm-hmm. one. And the, the, the really cool part about it was the fact that they really just said you need to have somebody call the showrunner and say that person's in the stack. If you don't have someone to do yes. that, you're not getting hired. Mm-hmm. That was the realest shit I've ever heard because in practice and based on not just anecdotal evidence, but just my lived experience, mm-hmm. that's just the truth. Yeah. I got into a lot of meetings. I didn't meet the crazy thing is I didn't meet very many showrunners. Okay. And oh nice. Oh, this is Greece. There's a motorcycle driving yeah, through right? the hallway yeah. right here. Like Greece. <laughs> <laughs> Danny Zuko. Okay. Uh, but uh no, the trick is um I didn't I met with a lot of executives. I've met with a lot of um uh, covering execs, people of that nature. I did not, unfortunately, meet any showrunner. Oh, really? No, not one What's showrunner. I don't know what happened. Is it the agency? Well, that's another no issue. No offense to your agents? Is it, well, they I, weren't getting well, you showrunner agents, meetings? The what agents the I had, I'm no longer with. Oh, damn, all right. Yeah, so that didn't, okay. things didn't okay. work out all on right. that level. Yeah. However, it's a double-edged sword because the reality is I got more meetings than I ever got in my entire life, mm-hmm. period. I met people, which was you know laying a groundwork. Right, right. But the problem was I didn't have anybody to make a call for me. Right. I, I just didn't. And that's what wound up putting the nail in my coffin in terms of staffing. Um, plus, I felt at the time some of my rep- representation they didn't know how to properly sell me mm-hmm. and I think the biggest mistake any rep can make for a writer of color at the tip of your spear proverbially speaking mm-hmm. you should not lead with diversity writer hell no my career hold on hold on hold on, hold on. I gotta interrupt you absolutely <laughs> okay. we gotta tell the people yes fuck it let's, okay. let, let's go for get it, it in. Yeah. we gotta tell the people yeah. what does this diversity hire mean okay okay so this is how it works uh, supposedly, even though the numbers have proven to be going backwards, mm-hmm. the, num- the physical numbers, the pure math is saying that they're hiring less people of color now than they ever had. Um, there's supposedly a push to get more, so, quote unquote, diversity in a writer's room. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem is diversity has become some kind of weird adverb where you're going to diversity it. And that means just adding a person of color. Mm-hmm. Now, in my mind, there's a big difference between the word diversity and the word inclusive. Right. Mm. You can bring anybody in who's not a straight white man, yeah. but to include them means you bring them into your mentoring circle. Right. You make calls for them. You, you nurture mm-hmm. them. That's not happening, mm-hmm. particularly for black men, right. writers, yeah. black male writers. I can't speak yeah. for anybody else because mm-hmm. it wouldn't be fair. Mm-hmm. But in my direct experience, in my direct observation, and my lived experience, mm-hmm. people are not willing to be as kind or open toward African-American male writers in this town. 
mm. particularly baby writers, mm. you know, first timers. Mm-hmm. So that's where that's more my, that was what my experience was because there was a point in the middle of staffing season, pretty late in the cycle, where one of my reps was like, "Oh, we we, we can't get any traction on you, and why aren't why isn't anybody making any calls for you?" And I'm like, "Well, <laughs> I need to know where I'm submitted so I can make those yeah, calls." But there was it. a point when I didn't. There was a whole stretch of time I didn't even know where my scripts ended up at. Oh wow! So as so a result, no communication. Oh, it was horrible. I mean, wow. there was no synergy in terms yeah. of knowing where to place me. Mm-hmm. So there were times when I'd found out after the fact that I had been submitted someplace and they were cool. But I was just like, well, if I had known I had submitted there, I know people who know them. I could have yes. pulled right. that trigger. It's supposed right. to be, yeah. you know, that, that's, the, that's the problem with agents and managers. If you don't have a relationship with <sighs> them where they're like, hey, we're about to submit you to Sony, for instance. Exactly. And you could say, oh, I work with such and such on the right. show right. who is now on a show at Sony right. who can boom, you know what I mean? They're, they're, not, not, they're not communicating. So, so that's what happened. You know, mm-hmm. so it's that all was, paperwork for them. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, was, I was merely a, a box to be checked. Wow. Of a person, yeah. So that was one aspect of it. Then we get to the fact that when we finally got everybody on the same page, mm-hmm. it was way late in the develop. I mean, in the staffing cycle. Mm-hmm. So around the middle toward the end of May, I had gotten a really good meeting with Imagine Entertainment for Twenty Four Legacy. Okay. And the guy was frankly, he was like, "Look, dude, you, we like your stuff, and if we'd have gotten you a week earlier, we'd have probably staffed you." Yeah. And let me just clarify something. And, before you get these meetings, they have to send the script. Right. You know what I mean? Then they have to bring you in. And like, because they like it. Make sure you're okay. Right. You're not a lunatic. Right, <laughs> exactly. right. Bring and them in the room. Let yes. us see. Right. <laughs> yes. So everybody gets these meetings, but it doesn't mean you get the meeting because they read the script. Right. You know what I mean? If you don't get the meeting because they read the script and didn't want to. Didn't like you. you. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know but go ahead. Go ahead. So, oh, no, you're right. I mean, and, and that's basically where. So it was a thing where I was always about. About three steps behind when I needed to be like 15 steps ahead. Yes. And it hurt really bad because I kept feeling like I'm doing everything I possibly can do as someone who doesn't know a lot of people. Wow. And I pulled every trigger and I burnt off whatever little favors I had accrued. And now those, they're gone. I guess, I, you know, the political capital I earned has already been burned mm-hmm. off. So I have to do other things now. Mm-hmm. But it, and, and, and the thing that really, blew my mind and this is something I saw firsthand was that to a lot of people diversity means hiring white women only mm. <laughs> so a lot of the shows I didn't get hired on they had put a white woman in the slot now don't get me wrong by any stretch of the imagination I don't have a problem with that mm-hmm. but I feel though that one of the ways they're getting around having to deal with people of color and I use that phrase very carefully having to deal in quotes mm-hmm. because to some people that's how they view us they don't see us as colleagues or people they see us as people they have to deal with yeah and they, you know, I'm, still, I'm learning this yeah. stuff you know I mean yeah and I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm just like they just don't Except the fact that we are competent human beings and competent writers with talent, somehow, and that we make shit better, right? But they, they, no one sees <laughs> you know that. And, and they can tell you how to make your shit better. Like, <laughs> not put that out there. I'm just trying to let you know. Exactly, the dragging will be real. Exactly. And <laughs> it, it, it was a wake up call. I mean, not that I need a Negro wake up call because I'm very awoke. Yeah. Been there. I've been awake. I've been awoke since 1992. You know, when I left Baltimore. Um, but I tell you, it was a horrifying and un pleasant, uncomfortable experience to deal with staffing season and seeing the 
I won't say it's blatant racism because there's very few, bla- very little blatant. Yeah, you never notice here. it unless you're right. just because really everybody keen smiles in your shit. face and they shakes never your hand. They and, never you face. know, and I dealt with a lot of. Time, I'm gonna take your place. No backstab. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but the trick is these people. I mean, why is that shit in my car <laughs> right now? It's number six, motherfucker. That's All awesome. My CD, That's the Negro six. warning anthem. It like, is. You go out oh, it is. Shit. Need to be right ready. now, I am not fucking. Shit, man, that ain't no joke. I mean, that should be Blair. Okay. You know. So let me let me just yeah. interrupt you really quick. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know if we talked about this. Um, two weeks ago, um, I went with Glenn Mazzara. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my boy. I went with Glenn Mazzara, and then I invited um, two other people from the Writers Guild. Three other people: um, Yvette Vargas mm-hmm. from the hey, Yvette. Yvette Vargas from the Latino Committee, mm-hmm. Michelle Amore from the Black Committee. Mm-hmm. And then, because Lena's, you know, off shooting, she's busy. Mm-hmm. And then I invited um, Lena Waite, right? Lena Waite, yeah, sorry, right, 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 right. I know you knew who I was. Yeah, right, about. right, right. <laughs> anyway, um, and then Michael Doherty, who's uh, on mm. the disability committee. Mm-hmm. And we went with Glenn to NBC to um, hear him talk about diversity mm-hmm. for like an hour and a half. You know, mm. we all got to wow. speak. We all got to do whatever. Nice. We sh- we were in the room with uh, all the big weights. I mean, okay. current, post, right, right. every fucking body. And in this room, we talked about exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Glenn was saying to all these white faces, and there was a, it was a very diverse room, though, mm-hmm. considering. Probably the most diverse studio ever, mm-hmm. right? And he was telling me, he says, guys, the problem is you guys still have this mentality, which is what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Oh, we have a woman on the cast. We got to bring in a woman. Oh, we have a black person on the cast. We need a black female because we have a black female character, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Instead of thinking, who is the best fucking writer? Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But what happens is, <clears throat> you already know this, they get stuck in the in the fact of it becomes, oh, what's the word he used? Something like it, it becomes that, like a stigma mm-hmm. where it's like, well, it's a lot easier to just not have to fight the showrunners and have this argument. So let them go ahead and bring in all their high level, their buddies. you know, yeah. the, 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 the upper mid levels first, you know, let them bring in all their friends who are going to all be a bunch of white dudes. Mm-hmm. Right. And then mid level down, we'll try to fill in one or two of those roles. Well, by the time we do that, we don't have enough money. So we only have one role. Okay, <laughs> one one place to sit at the seat. Well, is it going to be a woman or is it going to be a person of color? Mm-hmm. Nine times out of ten, it's starting to be a woman now. Yep. Two years ago, it was a black face. Yep. Now they're starting to mix it up. A little bit of Latinas, you know. Some Indian people are getting some things. Great. You know what I mean? Um, but that black male, nope. If he's not in the cast. Not getting hurt. They don't see it. Right. And that's where Glenn said these words almost perfectly. Glenn, Glenn don't play. He does not. He's be honest. Hold, yeah, he's he one of the few. The so so with that being said. Go ahead. That's something I, and it, it's real. I don't know what to do about it. I mean, I think that the reason why I got as far as I did with 24 Legacy was because the main character is a black male. Hmm. And and I'm not criticizing anything. And I, like you know, and God bless all the people who got hired. I just would like there to be a true vetting of how people are actually hired and looking at people's uh, actual credentials. Like I feel that if you hold my resume up to a lot of the people who I didn't get hired, you mm-hmm. know, I think that I would win in a mm-hmm. fair yep. competition. Interesting. 
you know? Mm. And I know for a fact that I'm not, you know, number one. I mean, I mean, I mean I'm, 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 I'm learning. I'm good. I'm, I'm getting to next level and sure. whatever. But I also know that I'm not that bad either. <laughs> and I know that I, I would know, have. We all read them. Right. You know, and I know for a fact that I would enhance <laughs> any room that I was put in. Yeah. And I think you, you know? add a realness to it because a lot mm. of the stuff that you do, the Comic-Con, a lot of the mm. stuff like Ear to the Streets, like Thank you. cutting edge shit. Thank like you. some of your posts and stuff. I'm like, why are, what the fuck is wrong with people? You can know I, what I mean? Can I ask what you, is can I ask you a personal sure, question absolutely. about your scripts? Sure. I'm only asking, I've had, you know me, I've yeah. been over at the Guild and, you know, dealing with those people forever. I had a former showrunner say these words to me. And actually, mm-hmm. it might offend some people, but mm-hmm. it was almost like an aha moment for me. Mm-hmm. He said, it's probably nine years ago. He said, can I ask you a question? And I said, yeah, white dude. He said, um, I noticed in your scripts, they're all good, but you almost always have a black lead in it. Like that. <laughs> Hear me out. He said, he said, Wait, I can... You say, that's ironic because I read out. your stuff and it always has have a, a white person too. in it. That's but so look, funny. Here's the point. Here's the point I'm getting to. Here's the point. I'm, <laughs> yeah. Here was the aha for me, though. He said this. He says, I'm not telling you not to write black characters. Mm. But I know when I read your scripts that a black person wrote it. Wow. You feel me? Wow. So what I'm asking you is, mm. in your scripts... Did he give you specificity? Now, you know my name is Hilliard Guest. <laughs> right. That is not a black normal right. name. I have yeah. a British name. Right. Now, so you immediately want to read my script from a title or something, but as you start reading certain things... And you start noticing. You can tell, right, right, because right. motherfucker, I know how to play a character, mm-hmm. <laughs> that I'm authentically writing you know, from where I'm from. Mm-hmm. Um, but he said to me, he says... I'm not telling you not to write black characters, but you should also, just like we should do other things too, whether it be sci-fi or another genre, Mm -hmm. he said, work on it like it's another genre. Try to write a script that has mostly white characters to show them you can write that too. Right. And to some people, that might bother them. Mm -hmm. To me, it was like, huh, okay, so what I need to do is make sure that as my responsibility as a black man is if I write characters that are mostly white I have at least one strong black person whether it be right. black whether it be a male or female whatever right. so that was my uh, uh, what's the word I want to use that was my um, compromise compromise mm-hmm. for myself and it actually started working right for me right because my name is already unique your name is unique too right. Brandon Easton doesn't sound like a so right. no, it does not. you know what I mean you know so what I mean I, so here you guess <laughs> <laughs> don't forget the sir dude <laughs> Duke, you know something, something right, you know right. what I mean um, but it yep. started working and and I didn't feel like I was compromising I'm glad you used that word I didn't feel like I was compromising anymore because I was mm-hmm. still keeping somebody right. that represented me in that so I'm only asking you sure I'll be, I'll be you know happy what to I mean? talk about that in regard yeah. to and, and somebody's gonna be like Hillary you know fuck that or you shouldn't write the fuck you know whatever mm-hmm. cool go ahead and email me I ain't gonna I'm gonna ignore <laughs> you anyway um, <laughs> I ain't a Twitter head so you ain't gonna waste your time with me so <laughs> anyway um, so I'm just asking you that based sure. on yeah. based on because I know you are a fucking sci-fi dude you can do fucking comic books and superhero shit all of that I'm wondering when you do it are you doing black okay so my my first spec was an arrow spec okay. and in it it's about 
Uh, Thea, you know, uh, Oliver Queen's sister, mm-hmm. she has a sex tape that might damage her mother's mayoral <laughs> campaign. Okay. So it was... Like sexy scripts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just had nothing to do with blackity black, nothing. Mm-hmm. It was just Diggle and Oliver going through that typical procedural nonsense and then, you know, they do what a they got to do. Day in the life. Day in the life, you know. Yeah. So that was that. My first pilot was Majestic and it was about a brother and sister who were brothers and sister, mm-hmm. you know, black African-American uh, siblings who discovered that their parents... Well, their parents go missing and then they learn through investigation and because they come in contact with an alien bounty hunter that they're descendants of an uh, uh, interstellar empire in the middle of a civil oh, war love that. <laughs> and the war is on its way to earth and they find yeah. out through the whole the whole trick to the series is that they find out that their parents were actually going to weaponize the planet earth itself to stop the invasion what? this should be on the air I love well, it That's a it good got bitch. me a lot of meanings that's a good bitch got me a lot of meanings Shit, you know thank you that. so nice. but in it um, it's all kind of people including a, a group of clones I called the Oswalds because it turns <laughs> out that Lee Hart, remember they said there were multiple Oswalds? Right, right. There were. Right. Um, and my other pilot is Fahrenheit, mm-hmm. which is about a Latina arson investigator on a trail of a serial arsonist in East L.A. who may or may not be connected to a conspiracy with the L.A. City Council mm-hmm. to destabilize Bull Heights so they can gentrify it by burning it down. So it's a cross mm-hmm. between um, Backdraft and Chinatown. Nice. Okay. Yeah, and that was my okay. second one. And that one, everybody's in it, but it's very much a Latino story mm-hmm. because we're dealing with a Latina who. But I love that you did that. Right. You know what I mean? And That's those are my two main samples. Uh-huh. And I just I just finished my third sample, which mm-hmm. is Learning Curve, which is based on my experiences as a teacher in the, in the Central Bronx. That's right. Yeah. So. Okay. I just finished that, and me mm-hmm. and, my, and I'm going to rewrite it because me and my manager they were like, "Oh, you got to fix this." And I'm like, "Okay, cool," because I, I, it was a vomit draft, and I knew it needed to be fixed. But mm-hmm. the point is, is that I have people who are helping me make it broadcast worthy. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. So those are my three samples because right. they said I have a genre sample, I have a procedural sample, and now I need my character piece. Yeah. So that's my third, the third piece of the crown, mm-hmm. so to speak, third jewel mm-hmm. in the crown. So because this one, this one will allow you to work in a lot more medium. Exactly. You know. What I mean? So while the f- Majestic has black leads, but it's not what we would call typically a black quote unquote story, right. except it is African Americans in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fahrenheit, um, there's whites, Latinos, and blacks like LA mm-hmm. itself. And th- the story is more of my personal critique of the city of Los Angeles than it is more about race. It's just about mm-hmm. how I feel LA as a city is set up to create the problems that it doesn't supposedly like. Mm-hmm. The very construction of LA because of a freeway city has created residential segregation has created income segregation and the racial segregation in the city of Los Angeles is is, is insane to me as someone who grew up on the East Coast coming out here and seeing how the city is constructed in such a way that it physically keeps people away from each other based not only on income yeah again Mm -hmm. these are things that I wrote Mm -hmm. somehow it wasn't good enough even though everyone who's read it says it's awesome Mm -hmm. so I think that once you get past having the quality script there are things that are completely not in your control. And I think that's what really, that's the conversation that needs to really be had. And people need to start holding a fire to the feet of showrunners who Mm -hmm. are quite literally racist, sexist, and homophobic. There are white women showrunners who are racist. You know, there are black showrunners who are sexist and homophobic. Mm -hmm. People need to pull their cards Mm -hmm. because it is no longer good business to be accepting of racist mediocrity. And Mm -hmm. not to say if it was good, it's still, you know, it's acceptable. But there's so much mediocre stuff being created by incredibly racist, sexist, homophobic people. (laughs) Yet they make all this money and they're allowed to get away with it. And I'm not and I'm trying to understand 
how we've reached a point where these people are allowed to thrive when we everyone knows like during the whole process of mm-hmm. everyone was like oh this person's racist this person's sex and I'm like if everyone knows this mm-hmm. why are they allowed to continue it's not like they're creating network like, like they're not Patty Chayefsky right, mm-hmm. right. you know these people are doing adequate work and there are people who can succeed them who would do who do stellar work but they're being held in this holding pattern of racism sexism and ageism mm-hmm. you know and it's just like we all know this. Why I don't understand why no one's doing anything about it. Well, you know, and, think, and that's what bothers me so much. People are comfortable. I think there, there is there is that. Things have gone yeah. the way it always has. Don't rock the boat. But don't. I, th- right. I think we right. live. Right. I, 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 hear, I don't want to be the one to step out. Mm. On. I don't want to be that person. Yeah, I just want you to. Know, I hear your frustration. Hmm. What I want you to be careful with, and I know this isn't you. I'm, I'm talking mm. to everybody. Right. Be careful with entitlement. Mm. Right. Right. Be careful with, I've done this, so I should be doing this. Right. Good point. You know what I mean? And I'm only saying that from the sense of, um, you and I talk about this all the time. We all have friends, right, who are hmm. on this level, who are our mentors or whatever, who could hire us. All of us. <laughs> right? And they don't. Yep. And sometimes in your frustration of not working, you go, well, damn it, that person knows I'm a good writer. That person knows I'm a good director, whatever it is, and they haven't done anything for me. Right. But sometimes you think that, and that's your entitlement yeah. bug hitting you, but, it's, but your ego is in the way of thinking you deserve that. Right. Because you've proven yourself because you were in this, co- yeah. this mm. fellowship, because you were on this show, because you were mm. on this panel, whatever it was, and you feel you deserve that. My way around keeping myself from feeling that constantly, because it's always in my face. Every time mm. I'm, I'm at the writer's guild three days a week and I right. run into some motherfucker who could hire me, you know what I mean? Mm. So I'm constantly checking myself. Mm. And what I have to do, which is why I do what I do, and I started you know, producing you know, since 2009, and I think I've done 22 projects now, you know, is because I figured, okay, I got a kick-ass script. 10 grand, 20 grand, we probably could shoot a nice kick-ass sizzle for this. So now I'm becoming a person who people hire mm. to do these projects. So I'm reinventing myself in a whole other way. You know, I was telling Lisa I'm not going to give the show away yet because I still haven't signed <laughs> my contract. <laughs> signed a contract yet. <laughs> I don't so sign a contract until tomorrow. Okay. But well, congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Absolutely. So, you know, I mean, I've been um, um, on staff on a lot of shows that have been outside of the system. Mm. So, as you know, there's lots of rooms being put together to build pilots. You yes. know what I mean? So I've done tons of those, you know what I mean, that have never come to fruition. You know what I mean? So I have tons of experience in writer's room, and I've run some of them. You know what I mean? Mm. And so, but to you, who doesn't know who I am, I look like I'm still a baby writer to you. Right. Right. I know how to run the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know how to produce. I just finished producing something with 45 fucking people on the set. You wow. know, I did that thing with Scotch, and it was like right. 80 of us on the set. You know what I mean? I'm in charge. I know how to run it. <laughs> you wow. know what I mean? It's smooth. Everybody's organized. Everybody has their rooms. Every, mm-hmm. All the departments are organized. I get it. You know what I mean? From post to, you know, from, from pre to post and everything. I get it. And, and so finally an opportunity came to me out the blue <laughs> and uh, through a friend of ours. Um, for a, a, a new YouTube show, you know, through mm. a big company, you know, it's all great fees and all mm. that shit, and I'm in charge. Wow. You know what I mean? The, the, the person who brought me on just wants to run the room. Hmm. He's like, you run the room, you're my number two, I need you to handle everything else. I'm like, see, all those years of doing everything I did taught me to be able to do all this shit. Right, right. So what I'm saying to you 
And you already reinvent yourself all the time, whether it be through comic books or through your graphic novels or whatever. Maybe it's time to go, hell, fuck it. Can we shoot one of these motherfuckers for whatever? Can we do a kick-ass scene from it to prove to them that, right. you know what I mean? Show them something now. Right. That's what I'm oh, saying. So I'm actually doing You that. feel me? But that's yeah, what I'm right, saying. Right, you know what right, I mean? Right, that's right. the difference. That's the not, I'm not waiting for. That's the, right. I'm not yeah. entitled anymore. Right. That's the fuck them. And that's that new generation. That's that's what I love about the millennials today. They don't they do it give yourself. a fuck. Yeah. Right. Like, you know what I yeah. mean? They're like, why are we waiting for them? We have yeah, our fucking not, iPhone. We can not, do right. we can do tangerine. Bitch. They're not we right. can do tangerine. Right. 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 That whole old school way of doing it. it's like, yeah. why can't waiting it's like, for permission? Yeah, it's like we're just right. gonna go do it. Exactly. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. I just I just um produced this last project um with um and she'll be on our show, Denise Harkavy, one of the writers on Queen Sugar. Mm. And um, you know, she signed to CA and then the hall, you know, big fucking managers and agents and all that shit. And she's a fucking badass writer. And she wrote this kick-ass script called The Providers. Hmm. And they love this script, but it's so edgy because she's kind of like the female Tony Soprano. They don't know what to do with it. See, you know what I mean? That we need to have because on it's now. not a that's, white character. That, that's the stuff that you need to swoop up on. Like, how can we help me? and get this going? exactly? Right, so they right. don't know what to do with it. So they're like, well, uh, uh. so they're like, well, if you shot, you know, a sizzle for it, if you shot a presentation, mm. that we can get an idea of what to do, then we can get behind it. So she brought me in. We just produced it. It's in post right now. Right. You know, we're trying to have it ready, like a rough cut for Sundance okay. this weekend. Cool. You know what I mean? So. It's about making your own shit happen. I agree. You know what I mean? Right. And that's what I'm saying. That's that's where you need to be going. You know, you mm-hmm. guys all work on a TV show. They pay you to write on a fucking comic book. Put aside a thousand here, a mm-hmm. thousand here. You know what I mean? Yep. And let's fucking go shoot something. It's funny because I just announced about a week ago that I'm doing a short film based on a script that got me in the uh, project, that NASA Project Stargazer yeah. competition oh, yeah, yeah, at the Hollywood Black Film right. Festival a couple right. years ago. Mm-hmm. And... I've been wanting to do a short film for freaking ever, mm-hmm. but you know the, the thing the stars didn't align. But now the stars have aligned, and I've always been a big, big, big believer and advocate for people not waiting for the system. Yes. And every time I'm on a panel, I always give the example of Rob McLehenny, who did you know It's Always Sunny, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Isa Rae, obviously. <laughs> right, right. I always talk about all these people who I deeply respect. Who, just whether or not you agree with the quality of their final product, that's up. That's everybody's taste. Yeah. But the fact that these people got off their the ass hustle and right. did it it's themselves, the yeah. and, and, I, and I, wholly, I wholeheartedly believe in that. Yeah. My experience was just I just had a very interesting series of experiences within staffing season that mm-hmm. I'd never had before, okay. and it was just really. I guess illuminating in some ways mm-hmm. and also deeply frustrating in others. Yeah. And so that's when I've just come out of dealing with the shock and awe, so to speak, of how weird this town can be when it comes to hiring practices. You are in you know? the stage of, and you know I talk about this all the time, mm-hmm. where six years ago on the Black Committee of the Writers Guild, there was mm-hmm. like six of us. Right. Now all of a sudden there's like six. 50, 40, 50 of us. Wow. Right? And it's because you're an example of one of those people who comes in as a diverse hire. Mm-hmm. Boom. You get on. You get your first 20 weeks or whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget. I, I still get teary-eyed just thinking about when you, you posted your Writers Guild mm. uh, yes, envelope that we all get. Yes. It's got your card yeah, in there. Mind, you know what I, mean? I bet you were balling your okay. I was. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know that feeling. And, 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 and. And and so many other people have gotten that opportunity too. Mm-hmm. But you're, he's in that predicament where almost everybody is right now. Mm. They get on staff and then they get nothing else. Yeah. 
And you I got in. Right. And I'm not going to allow myself to be stuck yeah, forever. Yeah, you got right. your pension and health. You know? Right. Right. And then, boom, it stops. Yeah. And it only lasts. You have to get another job again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what you I mean? You have to. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. So I made some changes. I got new reps, you know, okay. and the whole system. You know, I mean, it was a really rough patch basically from the end of July up to, I'd say, about three weeks ago mm-hmm. in terms of me trying to figure out and reset and get my head back in mm-hmm. order. And How long ago did you get the new managers or new reps? Well, I still have my same manager, but um, I after Comic-Con, my former reps and me split. Mm-hmm. And I just got new reps uh, about a week ago. Okay. So, but I mean, but that that was like the icing on the cake. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a lot of internal emotional rechecking I had right. to do mm-hmm. and reassessment of what I wanted to be if I wanted to stay here. Yeah. And well, I was going to stay, but how I wanted to remain here. Like, yeah. what capacity do I want to stay, and what capacity do I want to continue right. to create? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was a thing where, you know, it was only one staffing season. I mean, it, I've heard stories of people like three or four years go by before they get anything. Oh, and, my God. I can know. just tell you like nine Absolutely. people I know right, right now. Yeah, yeah, so I'm not even in an apocalyptic, you know, frame of mind. But it was just. And we're like, in a year-round town now. I mean, exactly. That's yeah. another fact. It's I mean, there's changed. digital and there's cable. Yes. And there's that's the beautiful of part. Other things. And, and, of and other. I know there's other opportunities yeah. on the horizon. It was just that the 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 narrative I had been sold, the narrative I had been kind of pushed to believe in turned out to be not true for me Hmm. or for people like myself. Mm -hmm. And I found myself even getting into physical confrontations, not fights, but I guess verbal confrontations with white men (laughs) in public spaces. I'll tell you a story real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Get in. At Free Comic Book Day. (laughs) Why did I miss this? Oh, it wasn't. I I didn't talk about it too much. (laughs) But at... There. But at I'll tell you where it happened. Free comic book day at Culver City. Uh, there's a wonderful gentleman by the name of Mike Wellman. I'll have to give a shout out to him. Mm-hmm. He has been deeply supportive of me and my career in comics, unlike any comic retailer I've ever worked, I've ever known. That's good. I've had somebody. I've had very bad experiences with comic book retailers in Los mm-hmm. Angeles. Some of these people are either deeply incompetent and or deeply incompetent racists. Mm. And they do stand in the way of independent black creators in this town. Yeah. Mike Wellman, who runs and owns the Comic Bugs, the one in Culver and the one in Manhattan Beach, oh, yeah, yeah. has been the complete opposite of that. Hey, he has been ridiculously. I mean, I've I've been stunned at the level of support That's I've gotten from story. this. Yeah, I'm glad you go. Yeah. So actually, when I leave here, I'll be actually heading over there. <laughs> awesome. So what winds up happening is at Free Comic Book Day, um, he rented out a recreation center right there on Overland Avenue mm-hmm. in Culver City and had a bunch of creators come in. I was next I was in a booth next to a guy or a table next to a guy who was not the person who was saying all this crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. There was an employed white male TV writer and comic book writer standing in front of his booth pontificating very similar to the character in um Annie Hall where Woody Allen stuck <laughs> in line behind but this guy's pontificating that White men don't have a shot at getting hired as baby as staff writers. That if you're not a diversity, and he's he yeah. not he's not he didn't even see my banner which had Agent Carter on it. This is how myopic yeah. this person is. And he just keeps railing about how the system is. You know, you'll if you're a white male, you're not going to get hired. And I just stopped him, and I was like, <laughs> dude, what you're saying is absolutely untrue. And I just read him the riot act about yeah. the actual physical numbers. Yeah. Um, it's the numbers. I mean, you're you can't argue with mathematical reality. No, and 
these all these angry white mediocre writers are out there screaming and hollering <laughs> at the top, <laughs> at, 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 the t- at top at the top of their lungs that oh the reason I didn't get stabbed is because of these horrible diversity writers and I'm like oh yeah because you know us diversity writers are walking in and taking all your hard earned jobs because we walked in here from a cotton field apparently <laughs> gee balls I want to write these movies slap, slap me your laptops yeah your right so he was then he tried to backtrack but I was just like no nah, like, you're saying this mm-hmm. and then so for the next hour I'm talking to the guy he was you know the guy next to me mm-hmm. who was just listening to this guy participating. I'm like look everything he said to you is wrong and this mm. is why it's wrong. Yeah. And I told him, look, it's a nepotism system. It's a cronyism system. It generally benefits white, straight white men, generally speaking. Yes, 100%. Um, no one ever. And it's, it's the, the numbers prove it. Right. And I was on a panel um, the other day, you know, mm-hmm. over at the Writers Guild. It was the one about um, uh, people who did programs like yes. Nickel Fellowship and yes. all that stuff, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I said, look, um, there, uh, there are a, a series of mafias in this town. <laughs> And I named them. I was like, the one that no one ever talks about is the Ivy League mafia. Mm. Oh like the Princetons, the Harvards. Yes. Paris the told me about that. Paris is from yes. Harvard. He's right. like, Harvard yes. is the fucking... Right. Yeah. And it's like, it stuns me that no one ever seems to talk about that being a way of... like. I'm like, how many writers, period, are kept out because you're not a part of certain mafias? That it also includes some white writers who are good who also aren't getting hired. It's not us who are keeping you out. Right. It's other white people. Yeah, we're not hiring. Right. 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 <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's like, I'm like, these people, like this, this, this is the thing that I don't understand about white Americans. Um, <laughs> how do Wait, you really right, I don't know if you can see the no, visual, no, no. but Brent has this thing on his brow, no. like, like the, the nerve right here I, I, is just, I, it's too much. It's I know much. so many white Americans who are very intelligent, thoughtful people, but the, the reason why white American, white supremacy works as well as it does is because white Americans are so easily manipulated by a racist fear more so than any other white community on the face of this planet the, 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 way, the way to turn a white quote unquote liberal into a conservative is tell them that the reason they didn't advance is because of a black person <laughs> and you've got people who are very intelligent who despite having the evidence in front of them are so easily emotionally swayed by the argument of black inferiority surpassing them mm-hmm. or someone being black and inferior because Automatic with black comes inferior. Right. It's an unspoken thing. Right. For example, there was a guy who used to be on my panels, a white man who I used to, who I thought was a friend, and we stopped becoming, we stopped being friends. I cut him out of my life completely because he said to me, and I, and I quote, and I still have this because the beautiful thing is this fool was stupid enough to send this as an email, and I, he says, and I Receipts. quote, he says, and I quote, you use claims of racism to guilt white people into being nice to you. He actually had the nerve. I thought this was wow. my friend. He said this to me. Claims of racism. Right, because it can't possibly be true. <laughs> and he was, I think he was angry at me because I got into the uh, Disney program and he did not. So, he, so ah. to him, it was, I didn't get in because I was better. I got in because I was black. Mm-hmm. And this is something that's an undercurrent in this town that any black advancement is not because of black talent. It's because someone bending the rules toward black people. Which is just a microcosm you know, of what goes on in America, yeah. right? Side of right. Hollywood, but anyway. specifically, of course. Right. I mean, this right. is that's right. definitely right. my. I mean, right. clearly, right. except right. in the sports field, right. there's no such thing as an affirmative action home run. You know, either you hit the ball <laughs> or you don't. You know, because and this is why I always. Cause I was listening to your Olympics thing last week, and I was saying that. I found that a lot of people hate on, and this is not you, I mean, mm-hmm. but in general, I've gotten into nasty arguments about the, the, uh, the men's Olympic basketball team because mm-hmm. I'm like, all these brothers do is be born. They were born. 
Mm-hmm. Like they didn't take, hopefully they didn't take steroids. They didn't do anything different. So if our equipment made us better, then our soccer team should be kicking everybody's ass. And U.S. soccer men's is horrible. <laughs> so I think it has something to do with the talent. So it's just like it just happens to be America has a history of sending people to the gym for 200 years <laughs> without paying them. So if you and you breed the strongest people, of course they're going to dominate in the sports because you send them for 200 years to the gym and breed the strongest people, you know, and against their will, you're going to create a very strong race of people <laughs> who are deeply vengeful sometimes because they've been forced into this. But no, the trick. I never thought about it like that. So, Actually, so it's not that. Um, the, the, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's, that's some funny shit. <laughs> Me and my husband always make a joke. And I always say, because he always makes a comment like jokingly, like, God, you're, you're wasting your little tiny little waist and your little tight little oh butt God. or whatever. And I'll say something like, well, duh, black people are cheetahs. You guys are lions. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in the shape of their bodies. <laughs> but no, I mean, when you have a selective breeding process, like from Dune, yeah. but in America, of course you're going to create a, a physically uh, superior athletic group of people percentage-wise, because sure, it's a percentage sure. in every group. But if you have 400 years or at least 300 years of direct strong, like strongman competitions on a field where they pick cotton and mm-hmm. fish and build stuff, and then it's the strongest... The like a wolf. Yeah. I mean, yeah. unfortunately, this is what happened, mm-hmm. you know? But... That's not true of how we how we are thought of intellectually. That's so physically, we are considered that. to be stronger. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to our brain power, we are all considered to be intellectually inferior That's to whites and, and Asians and so, in some cases like skinned But we Latinos. also have that mm-hmm. stigma where you know it's not cool. To be smart, and that's well, a yeah, lie. Yeah. It depends. Yeah, it depends though, because yeah. when I was teaching in the Bronx, because mm-hmm. well, my teaching career is, is a two pronged story. The Bronx side of it is absolutely a, 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 abhorrent. It, it is an abomination of life. Whereas my <laughs> Harlem, how, how, how bad was it, Brandon? It, it, <laughs> My Harlem, my Harlem experience was heads he's and in, shoulders. Oh, in, you saw the get down, right? Right. You saw all them burn buildings. And right. Buildings. No, no, the thing about it is the Bronx itself is, has been on an upswing since about 1998, right? Okay. The, uh, the, the, the problem is there's one area that is deeply resistant to anything, and that is the central Bronx, specifically between 100 and yeah, street down pat, right? 170— <laughs> It's like between 170 and Fordham Road between Jerome and— uh, Jerome on the west side and Webster Avenue on the east. So there's this block— There's this, this, this big, long rectangle in the central Bronx mm-hmm. that is one of the worst neighborhoods, legislatively speaking. How big on, is this area, like, about— you're talking about probably six to eight square miles. Oh wow, that's big. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's six blocks south of Fordham University. Okay. It's it's very. I would say it's analogous to what the neighborhood south of USC was like back yeah, in the late yeah, '80s yeah, and yeah. '90s, yeah. Yeah. and in some cases now, but not as bad as it used to mm-hmm. be. So there's an area in the Central Bronx which is horrifying, and that neighborhood is the ex- that neighborhood is what right wing racists think about when they think about inner city people. Got it. That one little neighborhood would be the thing that they would use as an example of how uh, poor and uh, Mm -hmm. people begging for government assistance never want to do anything. They still got projects there and shit. Projects are still all over the place. But this particular neighborhood is just resistant to any positive momentum. Then I went to Harlem and it was a whole different ballgame because, like you were saying, and, and I see this more so on the East Coast than I do out here, where you have 
black communities that run the gamut of doctor, lawyer right. down to the hustler, right. but all on the same block. Right. You know, and it's like I see a, like a centralized like when I was like I always talk so uh, so much about Harlem and Philly and Baltimore and D.C. because you see this massive centralized black population of people who is there's still enough good people there to affect positive forward momentum. Whereas in some communities, particularly I've noticed out here, there's such a decentralization of the black community that the black folks who would, in theory, be keeping the neighborhood together all live in, they all separated. People aren't living together. Mm -hmm. So I feel, but I've got off my point, but I, I feel like there's this kind of belief that we just aren't that good when it comes to reading and writing and doing anything positive with our brains. Mm -hmm. And that is deeply embedded out here to the point where a white person I thought was my friend would say to me that, you know, the Disney program disadvantages white writers. (laughs) That was the start of our conversation, (laughs) which led ultimately to him saying, I, you know, know, I mean, isn't it, isn't if when I'm, Years ago, when we did it. Isn't it a blind read anyway? It is they, a blind read. They don't know your race. Okay. They don't know your sex. They don't know what they don't know. All they know is what's on the page. Now, here's the deal about that, though. Here's the crazy part mm-hmm. about that is that when I went, I was one of the 26 finalists. Mm-hmm. You are judged by Disney executives. You, you, there's no points for race. It's only points. That I think they, they so you get a phone call first, right? Right. You get the phone call. Mm-hmm. They say, "Oh, you're, you know, you're one of the 26." Yeah. So when I was there, I would say the majority of people who were there were white, you know, and and based on my direct, you know, talking to them because yeah. they put they put us in a room, maybe a little bit bigger than the room we were in. <laughs> really? 26 people plus executives. Wow. It's hot. They serve wine and liquor, and they also they're serve testing. water. Ooh, they get you good. They get you no, 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 no. I found this. It's all a psychological test. Yeah, it's about how much you drink, what you drink, what you don't drink, mm. what you say, how you interact, and how you don't interact. So I had noticed that the white um, contestants or whatever finalists mm-hmm. would monopolize the time of the executives, knowing that there were other people standing around waiting to talk to that executive. Interesting. And that was a form of entitlement, I feel, that you feel as though you need, like it was clear the conversation was dead, but they kept talking to him to curry favor. Hmm. Whereas when I would talk to somebody, I would keep it under like five to eight minutes because I knew there were other people. It was just being considerate. Mm-hmm. Some, the lack of consideration is what doomed the, the white contestants. It wasn't race. Mm. Because race is not a factor yeah. at that level because you're selling yourself. Mm-hmm. Those executives are not stupid. They see that you're monopolizing their time mm-hmm. when there's a line of people waiting to talk to them. I just have to say you something know? really quick. I have, forgive me. Forgive no, me. Go for it. Go for so it. So on, <clears throat> on Friday of this last week at Action on Film is this week mm-hmm. with Dale. And um, so he asked me to come in and do like a 90-minute presentation on breaking in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when it was over, you know I me, mean, I give him the real shit. And when it was over... This one particular person, I'm going to say this in case he can't fucking listen to my show, comes over and like goes, hey, can I? And I was like, oh, boy, here we go. <laughs> so he pulls me to the side and he starts pitching me. And I was like, wow. So it was like going in one ear and out the ear. I had a line of people. And one person walks over and is like, hey, I don't mean to interrupt. He goes, hey, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to him right now. Like that. And I went, dude, you just completely lost me. Yeah. Like that. And I went, hey, uh, I appreciate this, but I'm being really rude to everybody else. You know what I mean? I was like, here's my card. Send me your little one sheet. What's a one sheet? I went, never mind. 
And I just, I literally Next. moved him out the way. Okay. I moved him out the I way and I kept going. <laughs> and I wish I hadn't given him my card. <laughs> I just had to say that. You ain't got no fake bootleg cards. White dude in his 50s. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sense of entitlement. Monopolize Somebody's my time. time. Everybody's time. Yeah. And, that's, yeah. and yeah. that's what I saw en masse mm-hmm. at the ABC you know, finalist thing. And so when I got in and then the other people got in, that's when me and this uh, gentleman, well, I'm not going to call him a gentleman because he's not, this dude I knew, he's, his attitude, his behavior, his, his, the, the things he would say would just mm. blow my mind. I'm like, dude, where are you coming from with this? Mm. Because I said, why don't you take a look at the uh, accolades and accomplishments of the people who actually got in? One of the young ladies did a web series that got props from the New York Times. Wow. You didn't do a web series. You haven't done anything. <laughs> I mean, they tell you when they get the people that come in there, oh, yeah. when, when Brandon and them got in, you right. see all the people. And I was reading their little box yeah. like, wow. They all these, did things. They did some shit. Like one of them, the guy in the wheelchair, David, he, he was a doctor who went around the world mm. and based lots of his scripts on his g- global international medical see, experiences. That's fascinating. Okay. That, He's an expert. That's my that's point. Right. He's a medical doctor. Yes. Yeah. You know, another person um, worked on a bunch of dramas, but wanted to switch into comedy and could mm-hmm. not do it. And he didn't want to use any of his pull, so he said, I'm going to do it myself. And mm-hmm. he did it himself. Mm-hmm. He reinvented himself. Mm-hmm. How many people are doing it? Yeah. So my whole point was that if you look at who, like, I kind of feel like, okay, what if, just, you know, I sum, I, I sum, you know, as Rod Sterling would say, submitted for your approval. Right. <laughs> what if these people just happen to be the best ones? Like is I can it tell you, possible? Tim McNeil's like my big brother. You guys are the best. Tim I'm is telling one you. of the. No, <laughs> you seriously. guys are the best. And Fuck I'm like, it, I'll speak for. No, him. no, yeah. I can't. I'm not going to kiss his ass. But <laughs> Tim has been one of the most awesome. Janine as well. Mm-hmm. Some of the most awesome people I've ever met. Mm-hmm. Okay, Tim has never BS'd me. Mm-hmm. He's always told me the truth. He's and real. Every time mm-hmm. I've asked his advice, everything he said has basically been proven to be absolutely true. I'd say ninety-eight point eight percent. He's wise, right? Okay. So God bless yes. Tim, and I'm so glad to have met that man. Mm-hmm. Now, with that being said. It's like I feel that people can't accept that people of color can actually win when it's fair. Yes. You know, yeah, we can beat your ass in the street, but what on the paper can we win? <laughs> yeah. And then when we do win, it's like, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Always the but. And mm-hmm. I think that I don't know how you change that. Yeah. Because that mentality has stretched a it's in the width and breadth of this town, particularly in writers' rooms, particularly among showrunners. I have heard people say things. I've seen people say things that are just reprehensible yep. and they're untrue. But it is canonized because everyone tacitly accepts it. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, well, you know, it's not cool to say that. But it's like, no, it's not cool to say it because it's not a fucking truth. Right. It's a fucking lie. There's mm-hmm. no uh, uh, I have not seen anybody rolling out red carpets to uh, reward mediocre blackness. Or well, black you know, mediocrity in this town. Just, we, you know, we, we had. Um, Where has that happened? Okay. We, we had a little. So Glenn Mazar came to speak to my my the LGBT committee. I'm the vice chair yeah, of, black, yeah. of the gay committee now. And after he left, you know, he was talking about all these different things with mm-hmm. diversity and what he's going to do and blah blah blah. I invited, him, by the way, mm-hmm. right? So he came back to us. So when he left, there was kind of a little argument between some of the older ones who felt a little offended. By the, I'm, yeah, I'm telling you, but just felt a little offended that the straight white oh, man was on. telling them whatever. And and one of them said, because because Glenn said this, and I'm paraphrasing, he said something about um, it's really your choice if you decide you want to go to an interview and tell them you're gay or not. Motherfucker, mm. it is, right? Wow. Well, one of them says, I'm 
proud of who I am and blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to tell, I'm not afraid to tell anybody if I'm gay and I've been married to my husband for blah, 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 <laughs> and this and this. And so me and Luther, I think you know Luther, you know Luther, uh, 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 Luther Mace. I never met him. Oh, okay. I think you, you would love Luther. Okay. Me and Luther are the only two black people in the room. <laughs> says, Luther says, child. <laughs> What? <laughs> he said, child, here's the difference between you and me. Mm. He said, I can, I can go to an interview and decide not to tell them that I'm right. gay. But I can't decide to tell them that I'm, I'm not black. black. Right. <laughs> you can go to an interview and decide not to tell them you're gay. Mm. Mm. Yeah. You choose to tell them you're gay. Intersections. Right. He did not. And he was like, well, <laughs> I mean, he made this big old fuss oh, did he really? about it. You know what I mean? Until mm. he just, and he did it really calmly. He was like, you in danger, girl. <laughs> <laughs> he did. He went in on his little ass. He's oh like, God. look. <laughs> I'm sure that they had the fact to say, well, being straight. Well, as he come to talk, like, bitch, he's a writer. Yeah. Well, he's running some shows, trying to tell you some stuff. Correct. Right. The, the, come the, on. The stigma is that from the white straight, from the white gay male point of view, mm-hmm. and most of the guys are in their 40s for the most part, mm-hmm. who are gay, who are white, right? And so. The, the argument is, are they diverse? Right? Wow. That has been the argument. See, everybody wow. has their own little yeah. you know, issues. See, whatever, I don't right? think, see, personally, I would say no, but that's a tricky thing because I'm not gay. Mm-hmm. So, but I see them as white people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I. I mean, I'm not a perfect person, but I do not give a crap about what people do in their sure. personal life. I mean, I'm, there's a lot of shit that I'm not good with, mm-hmm. but in terms of life, because I'm very vengeful sometimes, and I, <laughs> I hold grudges. But when it comes to issues of personal choice, I do not believe government nor anyone else has a right to tell a person how to live mm-hmm. their lives. I've met a lot of racist gay people. Yeah, me too. I, I know you have. Yes, you have. have. So yeah, it's yeah. like, for me, like... Them being white trumps who they sleep with every single time. That's my point exactly. You know, that's what I, that's, that's been my experience. That's my point exactly. Because I've I'm known, with you on that. I've known I'm some. I'm with you on that. I've known some white gay folks who I thought would be cool with me because, <laughs> uh-huh. and then and I was like, "You mother, you are worse." Yes. Because you're pretending that you're uh, disadvantaged, mm-hmm. but you are treating me as worse than a fucking Klansman. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was teaching at Westwood College, you know, the for-profit school that got shut down because mm-hmm. their degrees didn't mean a goddamn thing. Mm-hmm. And the person who was my nemesis was mm-hmm. a white gay male student who just was absolutely stunned that I actually had standards for him, for everyone. <laughs> but apparently those standards weren't supposed to apply to him. Interesting. So he went to the deans and was saying that I was being hard on him because he was gay. And I was like, well, you didn't turn in any work. The work you turned in, you just did like five minutes before class started. And I know this because I saw you in a computer lab <laughs> and I have everything you've ever done and it's D-level work. Damn. So is it because you're gay or because you're a pretentious asshole <laughs> who is entitled and who, is, who can't mm-hmm. write? Mm-hmm. It's like, if you work with me, I'll work with you. I mean, I would stay, you know, I'm, I'm not the type of teacher that's like, oh, blah, blah. you know, I'm like, hey, you know, if you need help. And I, I was teaching at a school that's a commuter school. People had kids and extra jobs. I was like, look. If you're going to be late, just let me know. Don't yeah. lie to me. I rolled out every carpet. I tried to help this kid. And mm-hmm. I didn't realize that his issue wasn't anything other than the fact that I was black and in an authority position. And I found this out much later because other students had said every black teacher he's ever had, he's always had an issue with. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow. And if this guy's like that, what about guys with money in the hills? Oh, right. Right. You know, I've heard some stories. Uh-huh. I mean, trust me, I, mm-hmm. I've read Hollywood Babylon and a bunch of other stuff <laughs> over the years, and I've seen some stuff in my time uh-huh. because I'm not going to say, but a, a friend of mine's um, 
relative is a big movie star. Okay. And as a result, I when I first moved here, I had a chance to see and experience some things and hear some things. And I was just like, shit, this is, this is a whole other level. I believe it. Because money plus uh, prejudice is uh, stunning. Yes. And Jeff says this a lot. Me and Jeff have this conversation mm-hmm. all the time. Jeff, and shout out to Jeff, Jeff Thorne. Thorne. Yeah. <laughs> he said... I always say that, do people become, and this is my question because I am naive about some things. I always wonder if money makes people who they are become assholes or does money enhance the person who's already there? Jeff has always said these people were always like that, but now they have the power to enact Correct. I believe see, that. See, I, see, I, 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 it I opens you right. up. Yeah. Because think about you this. Know. Think about this. I was thinking about this just the other day. Uh, matter of fact, yesterday, I jumped in the shower for some reason. Mm-hmm. I watched my ass once or twice. <laughs> for some reason, you got in the, <laughs> the shower. But uh, what I, I meant, for some reason, I was there. thinking about this. <laughs> right, I got you. And I was, I was thinking to myself about how blessed I am right now. I'm stressed all the fuck. <laughs> Lisa knows I got this project that I need her to help me with. And then I got this new job all of a sudden, wow. right? Okay. And I'm just like, oh, shit. But there was a proudness to me that was like, wow, dude, I fucking worked to get to this yes. point, right. you know what I mean, right. and and you have to be, you have to know yourself to be like, wow, I worked to this point to where I could be producing a show without having the entitlement of it. Mm. But some people, like you said, it's innate in them, right, to have the well, of course, you know I mean? right. of course, of course, I do. I do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I drive around in my little fucking. You saw my little Torino outside, my little Starskin Hutch car. That's your car. You don't know that's me with the huggy, the diamond. Yeah, huggy. You know yeah. yeah, yeah. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. I, I was making a connection. I was yeah. like, "Wow, that happens to be Starsky and Hutch's car." And ain't he nobody the else like a pimp like that. If you see that car, you know it's Hilliard. <laughs> yeah. Okay, dude. And and no, wait a minute. So trip this. Holy trip this. shit, that's a badass car, thank dude. You, thank you. I inherited it from my brother. He was killed seven oh, and a half years okay. ago. Sorry to hear and that. And so the, my mom and I wanted to keep it in the family, and they know I have a bunch of old scooters from my old mod room, you know, scene oh. and stuff. So anyway. Oh. So it was in the shop for five months, and I was, like, miserable for five months. So finally I told my husband, Scott, and I said, Scott, I need my car. And he's like, you know, just wait for them to finish it, like that type of stuff. And I was like, I don't think you understand. It makes me feel a certain way. Right. You know, if you ever drive me in my car, I'm every stoplight, somebody's like, hey, dude, right. whatever. I'm driving a lot. I'm, like, feeling some kind of way, you know what I mean, without letting it get to me. Right. I still keep a humbleness about, thank you. You know what I mean? Instead of whatever. Of course it's mine, You know what I mean? Man. I'm just like, hey, thank you back. You See, know I want to buy a kit, like, oh, from Knight Rider. I want to get that. <laughs> I would just drive it one time through the city, and that would be it, and I'll put it away. And I put it away. Right, right. <laughs> but, but where I was going with that was, I think you're right. I think it's innate in some people to just have that entitlement mm. bug. So once they get money and get a little fame, mm. they really believe they right. feel themselves like right. that. Right. You know what I mean? Because, yeah, you know, it's funny. The conversation that we were having yeah. was all about, I'm not going to say the people or the situation, but how some people use their power to have sex with minors. Mm. And, you know. Minors. Uh, yeah, mm. yeah. There's some stuff going uh-huh. on. Here, you know. Hey, hey. So I said, what kind of person would do that? Because in my mind, like, you know, I, when I was teaching, I had dealt with students who were the survivors yeah. of sexual abuse. And that fundamentally changed. Because... There's a part of me that's still like Captain America. You mm-hmm. know, I don't see the badness in the world. I'm still kind of looking at things from a very okay. nice and happy yeah, point of view. Yeah, and yeah. I have to stop doing that because I always get hurt <laughs> that way. Yeah. But um, And then when I found out these things were happening, these very dark, very venal, mortal, not venal, very mortal things, it fundamentally altered the way I thought about life. And then when I got out here, I heard about all these scandals with children and yep. children actors and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then... 
I said, you know, what kind of like, what, like you could get money and suddenly think, oh, I want to have sex with a child. And Jeff was like, no, they, they were already like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just the money comes, and then now they have the power now they to have enact access. It. Right. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh. I was just thinking to myself, if I got a whole lot of money, I'm probably buying a bunch of Transformers <laughs> and uh, going to Tokyo to buy Look, mobile suit Gundam I am, stuff. I am nerding out. Okay. Yes. Right. I, the last thing I want to do is, I, I mean, I'm not into prostitutes or yeah, anything like yeah, that. Exactly. I just want to go and go see things and play video games. The and, world. And, play. And, yeah. Play. But I, nothing in my, in my makeup is like, I want to do something horrible to a person. Mm-hmm. I, you know? And, I, and now I've got money to do that. Yeah, right. I yeah. mean, it, it, just, yeah. like, it doesn't occur to me, right. but that's because I'm not that kind person right. but that's you know, that's that entitlement right. but right. and i didn't get you know that. what i mean no, when you, you feel right. like it doesn't apply to you right right you know, I'm Rules not don't hurting them. To me. We're just doing this. Right, right. right. <laughs> you know right. I'm not making them do anything. Right. Exactly. Except that you are. Hey, hey, exactly. hey to backpedal a little bit. So, sure. so, uh, what for us wine connoisseurs? <laughs> what is the wine litmus test uh, limit for the Disney room? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you this much. Uh, no, it's, it's for it's, those of us for those good. of us out there that our baby right who are, just have a glass who, or two. Who, who That's all. To right. Apply be, be and get simple. into that room. When you get into the finals, it's 26. Right. Um, out of the 26. They choose eight. And that's a big cut, Jack. I'm going to tell you, those last three, it's three rounds. Those rounds, it's like the Hunger Games mm-hmm. or Battle Or actually, the film is, is actually more like Battle Royale, okay. which, which Hunger Games ripped off. Okay. A Jap- for those you. who don't know, yes. there's a Japanese uh, manga, novel, and movie franchise called Battle Royale with, the, first, with the, the E at the end. Only the first movie is good. Right. The Royale. manga kicks ass, though. Yes. Now, if you watch, Battle Royale is basically the government sends a bunch of middle schoolers and uh, ninth graders to. To an island, and they have to kill each other until there's one left. They completely stole the fucking premise, didn't they? So, it the is whole they, premise. They, they cutified it by making an island, games, but it's really, like basically right. at an island and all that shit. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Why? And you just get the right to live and come back because there's too many, too many people. So we got to get rid Why, of these uh, badass uh, kids. Yeah, who are jerks? Wanna, yeah, all exactly. of them were jerks. And just throw it but, out. I love so, that movie. Yeah. It's, it reminded me of that where you have to basically be you have to be smart about it, strategic. Mm-hmm. And someone had said to me, "Don't drink too much because they're watching." Now, this is before I went in, because mm-hmm. somebody who happened to be a friend of mine who was in a previous year, this person told me exactly how the game rolls. And they say, when you're in that room, don't drink too much, because they're watching how much wine you drink. But look, and I, I said, what? Say this, but I'm going to interrupt you. That's okay. That's maybe okay. because I don't drink. I don't right. understand why you go in there going, oh, I'm going to get fucked up. Easy. Because, in the first oh, place. I'm going to tell you, because you're, you're nervous. It's a business situation. No, 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 no. You're trust nervous. me, man. It's business. I was sweating. I was also 80 pounds heavier, but I was sweating yeah. like I was I was about to die. And <laughs> so I had like a handkerchief. I was like John Candy. I was sweating. That, and I was and I, I was terrified. So I had about a couple because I mean for me red wine, you know I love red wine. Yeah. So I was Pinot Noir maybe, and I was just a bam bam bam. Mm-hmm. But see they didn't see me do it because I did it real fast. Like and I was like bam. I was, I was the first person. I walked in the room and I, I stuck sticked out a corner for myself. Mm-hmm. And then the guy in the wheelchair, David, he came mm-hmm. up next to me. So my strategy was. Like, well, everyone's going to want to talk to the wheelchair guy. Mm-hmm. Let me stand. I don't mean this in a fucked up way. I'm just being honest hey, about my strategy. Hey, so you got to have and, a strategy. And okay. so, and, 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 and the beautiful part was, though, I came up, I came up with that strategy after me and him got along. Because I wasn't going to follow him around if we didn't click, but we clicked in immediately because mm-hmm. we were close. We were close. We were very close in age, mm-hmm. very close in worldview. Mm-hmm. I was deeply insecure about being overweight, as big as I was then. And I. Was I kind of needed a wingman, yeah, you know, and so he became that for me. Mm-hmm. So I stuck with him, and mm-hmm. I just would listen to it, and like we really got along. 
But I had noticed that some of the peeps, some of the other attendees, they were knocking them back, yeah. knocking them back, yeah. being really boisterous, talking a little bit too long, mm-hmm. a little bit too, too loud, loud. Too yeah. cl- and yeah. too close. Yeah. Um, I am very, very aware that wine of breath. <laughs> right? <laughs> but, <laughs> like Seinfeld, those close talkers. Like, oh, yeah, Judge, Judge Reinhold. <laughs> so um, one thing I am aware of as a man and as a person, period, as a large man, too, mm-hmm. is personal space. Mm-hmm. I know I'm 6'2". Those who can't see me, I'm 6'2", black. Uh, was heavier, but pretty much, Ricky, but to call him though, right? So. Is that? <laughs> nah, I wish. Uh, no, I used to. Well, I will say this: this will be a really vain, shitty thing. I used to be beautiful. Hopefully, I'll get back to that. <laughs> Um, physically, 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 because people did, did treat me a lot. You just lost a person, god damn it. Yeah, I did. Okay, 80, 80, 80 pounds. pounds. It's like god I had two kids. Yeah. But no, the trick is, though, that people treat me much nicer now than they did when I was heavier. Interesting. And the body yeah. size discrimination in this town, I thing. feel, is more insidious and more blatant and more acceptable than anything else. I mean, racism yeah. is here. We all know it. But no one will openly admit to being a racist, yeah. generally speaking. I mean, yeah. most decent people won't. Sure. But there are people who will punt, openly stand on the corner. I hate fat people. Fat people stink. Fat people are lazy. Fat yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, wow, that's not actually the case. My problem was that I was an emotional eater, but mm-hmm. I'm one of the most active people you can imagine. Mm-hmm. But the thing was, for me, as a writer, as we all know, right. we are emotional. And sometimes... I, my, my, my biggest mistake as a person, and this is just t- t- for health reasons for everybody, don't eat fatty fast food before you go to bed. Yes. Because I would always it's get home sit late. There. Right. Don't sit on you right there. Right. It's just going to store. I had yep. multiple jobs, mm-hmm. retail jobs, stress, mm-hmm. right. emotion. I would get garbage food and then go home. Yep. And this is in the night. Because it's quick right. and easy. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So then, of course, that compounds over years. Yep. So I had noticed that. Particularly when I was working retail, I was treated a certain way. When I was in the ABC program, I was treated a certain way. Okay. Even working on the show, not my coworkers, but mm-hmm. like when I was on set, mm-hmm. I was treated a certain way. Then I'm losing weight. Mm-hmm. Then some of the same folks who was standoffish, you know, whatever, suddenly, mm-hmm. oh, wow, you look so nice. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, but I'm still same motherfucker inside. Trust me, and I'm vengeful, right. and I'm also very, very, you know. Right. Like a <laughs> oh, yeah, right? <laughs> oh, so... So, yeah, so I would just say if you manage to be one of the 26 who end up in the ABC writing program finalists, just make sure that you keep your wit about you. Be considerate. Don't ever, by any stretch of the imagination, monopolize an executive's time mm. because they, you are graded based on how you interact with people and also how you don't interact. Mm. You know, I was very careful, very careful about things I said. I was very careful about um, things I did not say. Mm -hmm. I didn't get political. I talked about my hometown. Mm -hmm. I talked about the things that mattered to me. I talked Mm -hmm. about my comic book career and my animation career. Mm -hmm. Those are the things they want to hear because I will say this because there's certain things I cannot say. You already got in from the script. You don't need to talk about the script. Right. (laughs) Here's the trick. What people are looking for, and I I will make a general statement to the Fox and HBO and CBS and NBC writers on the verge and and ABC. They want people who've lived life a little bit. They don't need somebody who just graduated from grad school. And before you graduate from grad school, you graduated from undergrad. And before undergrad, you lived in some (laughs) suburb where you, where there's no people of color or you Mm -hmm. didn't, you never traveled, you never lived, never had another job. Mm -hmm. They don't need people like that because the agency mail rooms are filled with people like Mm -hmm. that. Uh, uh, Writers assistants and writers production assistants, they're already like that. There's plenty of people like that out in this town. Mm -hmm. They don't need those people. Mm -hmm. They want people who have lived a little, lost a little, suffered a little, and learned how to come back from that. One of my personal story was that you know um my grandfather and me spent a lot of time together 
mm-hmm. and he was a World War II veteran, mm-hmm. and he suffered tremendously just by being a black man during the 40s and being born in around 1920 or whatever it was, right? right? He not only lived through the Depression, but he also lived through World War II, mm-hmm. and so he used science fiction as his escape. He was very big into okay. genre programming. See, I love to hear that. And I spent a lot of my formative years when I was very young sitting there watching Gunsmoke, Wild Wild West, The Rat Patrol, Bonanza, and of course, Star Trek. Mm-hmm. The Monsters. 50th anniversary. You know, oh, I, I mean, we haven't even gotten to that. <laughs> Twilight Zone. But, um, oh, Twilight Zone. Yeah. That was a given. Yeah. I mean, Outer Limits, yeah. all that stuff, yeah. right? Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Um, and his example of a man who did not ever, I mean, he was a longshoreman, so he worked on his, the docks after the wars. Mm-hmm. It was one of the play, few places a black man could actually make enough money to buy a home. Yeah. So I spent a lot of time with him, and his one dream for me was to see me get to college mm-hmm. because he had sacrificed so much. There hadn't been a whole lot of people in the immediate family who had gone to higher education. There were other people, but not in the immediate family. But he died when I was in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And... I always felt that no matter what, I would make sure that I would achieve everything I could because of his example, mm-hmm. because he suffered. And not to discount my parents, because my parents were there for me, too. But that man had suffered so much to keep our family together. Mm-hmm. And growing up in Baltimore at the time, and I feel like, and I always have to say this, I feel like Baltimore gets a ridiculously bad rap because mm-hmm. of the wire, the wire. Yeah, and all that yeah. stuff. Because people's whole fucking, uh, it's, it's like using Boys in the Hood as a lens for all of L.A. Sure. County. That's right. fucking stupid. The colors. Right, right. You know, or colors, for right, example. Right. Or. All the horrible, you know, mm-hmm. like it was training, day, training day. Day. That's not all of LA. That's a segment of LA, the yeah. rampart. It's yeah. a part of it. Right. The wire accurately magnifies an element of Baltimore life, but by no means represents the true life of the average Baltimorean. Right. Mm. Blacks in Baltimore, there's more middle class black people in the city of Baltimore than many other places per capita on the face of the earth. Maryland, the state of Maryland has one of the largest, if not the largest, middle class black population on the face of the earth. Mm. Period. Interesting. Okay? People don't know that yeah. because people only see that stuff. So when I tell my Baltimore story, everyone always expects the wire, but they never expect Yeah, because we talked story. about it when we first met. I yeah, was like, right, really? Right, right. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But I'm just saying, and I don't say it in a negative sense. Mm-hmm. I just want people to know that there's more to the story. Got it. You know? So that was a story I told to the because it's, it's my story. Yeah. And then we get into my teaching It's easy career. to talk about. Right. Because it's real. It. Yeah. Because you know, I'm not trying to sell them. I'm like, this is mm-hmm. who I am. Some people immediately connected to that. And then there was mm-hmm. a lot of people who couldn't get it because it wasn't some suburban white male experience. Sure. But that's okay. You don't need to get my story. Yeah. I'm just telling you who I am. You just am. need to get three or four of them, right? right? right. <laughs> and I feel that... Okay, okay, sorry. So after the fact, after I get in, I found out post... Well, not post-mortem, but after the fact, they say, I always wondered, like, what really got me in? Hmm. And Janine Jones hmm. tells, says, Love well, Janine. the third round, you have to pitch a story. And I hmm. came up with a bottle episode of <laughs> How to Get Away with Murder. Okay, tell the kids with the bottle because they'll be like, what's a bottle? Okay, oh, a bottle episode is an episode that takes place that is wrapped up from beginning to end. It's one storyline that does mm-hmm. not necessarily bleed over into it's previous episodes. Self-contained, self-contained completely, yeah. usually sometimes taking place in one or two locations. Mm-hmm. I did a bottle episode of How to Get Away with Murder, not so much in location, but in terms of story content mm-hmm. to where everything was wrapped up in one and it didn't fundamentally alter or change the current universe. Mm-hmm. For a show that Nobody is, becomes pregnant. Right. <laughs> and Nobody has sex. No one gets killed. Right. So for a show that is hyper-serialized as that one is, it was a feat Mm -hmm. that I was able to do that. So she said to me, that's why you got in. Had nothing to do with what you look like. Mm -hmm. It had everything to do with your talent and how you sold yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that I think 
I want to leave people with is that when black people out here win, mm-hmm. it's not. I'm not going to say always because I don't know every situation, but it's mainly not because of someone lowering a bar. Mm-hmm. It's because we were that damn good right. to begin with. Right. We wouldn't even be here if we weren't that damn good. Okay, and I'm so... Get okay. Okay. Like, and no, but, but it's, 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 I am so goddamn tired of this automatic assumption of inferiority, right. particularly when so many of us are better. Right. <laughs> Than the people who are criticizing us. Okay. If we were all mediocre simps, right. I would understand the critique. <laughs> but so little of this critique is based on reality. Right. It's based on white insecurity. Because if, like, if a woman wins, I'm not lessened or feeling, I don't feel like, oh, the only reason she won, because she was a woman. No, she won because she was probably a better writer. Right, right. <laughs> and I need to get to that level. Like, right. Exactly, bitch, what exactly. you doing? Let me see I've what you're doing. I've only known of, <laughs> of all the white women in this town I've known and come in contact with, I've only known one who was horrible who got advanced. Only one. And I'm talking about out of hundreds yeah. of white male, white, white women writers. But, but here's the trip, though. You know? It's not always about the writing. It's about the personality. Right. Do they fit the, in the room? Do they fucking fit in the room? That's I might have dig, I might have dug her. Right. I'd be like, the writing isn't cool, right. but right. she's funny, though. She's funny. You know what I mean? And Whatever. She makes the room happy. You right. know what I mean? You don't know yeah. what the reasons are. I, I can say that <laughs> from a person, as someone who's dealt with a personality, she's not. <laughs> but I'm giving but, it. No, 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 no. I'm just fucking with you. Yeah. No, 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 you are absolutely correct. There are many mitigating factors as to why someone totally. ends up in a room. She reminds yeah. me of my sister. You don't know right. what the and, reasons and, and, are. See, and that's the other thing. You don't know what the reasons are. One of the things that never go in our favor is I've never met an older white man who looks at me and says, boy, you remind me of when I was here. Because I was, because unfortunately, I remind them of the guy who kicked their ass for reading comic books. <laughs> I remind them of the guy who might have mugged their mom. Uh-huh. Or their dad came home and said some nigga cut him off on the highway. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. I remind them of that person. Okay. And that's the problem. Like, mm-hmm. if we can get to, like, they say, because the big whole right wing thing is that everyone never, no one always talks about content or character. If you judge me by my content and my character, I'm not perfect, but I think I'm a pretty decent guy. Yeah. I think, yeah. you know. Okay, he all right, right? You know? <laughs> and I, I, I don't think I've ever out here been judged on the content of my character Mm. so I know that that's hypocrisy Mm -hmm. straight up hypocrisy and if we can get to a point where obviously those mitigating circumstances but if you just give somebody a shot you know like just get to know someone like talk to them find out where they're from find out who they are find out if they're actually as talented as people say that they are if you just take the shot I I honestly believe a lot of these showrunners will be stunned because I know showrunners are busy and the last thing they need is to get stuck in a mire of dealing with people. Because that's the whole point of being a showrunner is to find people that helps move your day along. Mm-hmm. But what, a, what did Alexander Hamilton say? I am not throwing away my shot. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to run. We got to okay. run. So, yeah. right. so that, that, that's what I want to leave with. Just give folks a chance. Get past the nonsense and get to know someone as a person so you can see why they would be a good fit in your room. That's what's up. That's what's that's up. It. Okay. He just dropped some bombs on y'all right there. Where you at, Brandon Eason? Where can people find you on well, Twitter and stuff? I'm on Facebook? Twitter. And I had a crazy Twitter experience today. <laughs> but I'm at, it's at Brandon Easton. Let me go look at your feet. <laughs> no. yeah. I was talking about the rampant negativity within the black comic book. I saw community. that. I saw yeah, that. It's, yeah. it's gone too far. Mm-hmm. And I'm also on Facebook as Brandon Easton. You can find me very easily. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a website called brandonverse.com. That's V-E-R-S-E. Okay, but, you got to spell it for folks. Yeah, because it could be very, it's brandonverse.com. Or is it Brandonverse or Easton Verse? 
I can't remember because I haven't really said it. Just up Google yet, you, bitch. Yeah, you'll find it. it it'll right. come up real soon. <laughs> and um, I do two podcasts my, of my own. I have Writing for Rookies, mm-hmm. which is all for you know aspiring science fiction and other genre writers. Okay. And I also do the Two Brandons podcast with my oh, fellow right. yeah, 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 comic yeah. book writer Brandon mm-hmm. Thomas. That's right. So you can look up the Two Brandons and Writing for Rookies on Google, and we have a lot of content there. <laughs> and a lot of it's just really about what you need to do to get from point A to point B as a creator. That's what's up. Yeah. Where are you at, Lisa Colt Jam? I'm always on Twitter. <laughs> Shout out to uh, my peeps, because last night uh, on... Uh, Which I watched. We did the first two episodes of Torchwood. Oh. And I realized I had never watched Torchwood, mm-hmm. because when it came out, I didn't have cable at the time. <laughs> she was one to, of them. No, because I was trying to figure out, how did I miss this show? Mm-hmm. You know, and I really, really enjoyed it, so that was a lot of fun. And on Friday night, uh, shout out to Graveyard Shift Sister. We did... Um, what movie did we do? Oh, we did uh, two episodes from um, American Horror Story Coven. Mm-hmm. So you can always find me either in the Friday Night Horror tag, mm. Saturday Night Sci- Saturday Night Sci Fi, or um, just shenanigans uh, generally. <laughs> you know, you find me on Bitch Flicks, and you can also um, where else can you find me? Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Or you can find mm. me hanging around Venice Beach. Sometimes rolling through, <laughs> all up smoking, on a surfboard, smoking, smoking my cigar, hanging out, you know, just kind of like living my life and okay. reading critiques of old French films and disagreeing and having arguments a with curm- the clouds. A curmudgeon. <laughs> I'm a, a, a film curmudgeon, just after like you're totally wrong. That's right. Uh, but uh, shout out to the people like myself and thanks, Linnell, for reminding me. Those of you who got your uh, Star Trek 50th anniversary stamps. Mm. Oh. Because uh, some, you- some, some, go to your post office. Yeah. There was no, something. It came. What? You can't order them online or nothing? I don't know if you can order them. Can you they, order them? They, they were available sure. September 1st. Oh, yeah. And um, I forgot. And then Linnell reminded me. Hey, Linnell. Uh, reminded me. So I ran to my. And they had plenty. Oh, Did so they? Where do you I, live? I'm in San Diego, yo. Oh, that's right. And so. Okay. And I realized on Twitter, some people are like, so I'm about today. When I get back on Monday, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to buy some more. And um, hold Brandon them hostage. Hook them up. Hold them. I'll get you a couple. Yeah, because I was I was shocked. I will send you look, 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 look. The woman came out and said, "Yeah," and I, I came in all trepidation, like, "Ma'am, <laughs> do you do you still happen to have the Star Trek 50th mm-hmm. anniversary?" She goes, "Sure," and she pulled out this whole thing. And I'm mm-hmm. like, "I have found a bonanza." <laughs> God damn! I'm not going to tell you what post office it is, San Diego. Got to get there first. But yeah, so hit me up. Uh, I may be able to get you some stamps if you ain't got none yet. And sure. also shout out to Star Trek for just being mm-hmm. awesome for 50 years. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just been an amazing run. I've got the 50th yes. Blu ray set. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Yes. I just written, I got the new like director's cut of like two first. I don't know which one I got. Either one or two. I just bought a bunch of them. But anywho, yeah. hey, all the Star Trek people out there. Cool, cool. I don't, I don't mean to cut you guys short. I apologize. I got to run. No, you got to run. You got things to do. That's what's up. Absolutely. And I am your host, Hilliard Guest. You guys can find me on Twitter at Hilliard Guest. You guys can follow the show, Screenwriters RR on Twitter. Um, any questions for us, ScreenwritersRantRoom at gmail.com. Um, please go on iTunes. Give us a five-star review because we need that shit for the metrics. Um, so we can get to that top 10, top 100, top somebody, something. <laughs> Shout out to all the big countries out there following us. Uh, we just moved up to like 89 countries now. Wow. Um, yeah, 80-something thousand listeners. So that's what's up. Damn. Hey, we shout appreciate out. It. Do we have anybody from Finland? And we got folks in Finland and all? I wouldn't. I have to look at it. All Maybe. right. Well, I They're not be, on the regular. I will be in Helsinki Where y'all at? next summer. I will be. Well, you know, they're having... Um, uh, the they got brothers in Helsinki. Sem- well, World, WorldCon seventy five. <laughs> WorldCon is in Helsinki. Seventy five. It's in Helsinki next year, next Shit. summer in August. So I've mm-hmm. already got my hotel room reserved oh, and booked. Ready to go. Yeah. I was ready. 
to go. So if any people from Finland, I'm gonna come check it out and um, definitely spend enough time there for the con, but also to like check out Finland. And if there's any films going on, let me know. That's what's up. That's what's up. <laughs> so join in with me for 2016. Join in with us. Um, so you guys know how we do it on the rant room on the show. We keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what everybody. 2016. 2016. Brandon, you peace, y'all. All late. Let the beast about the cage That light about the dark Can you build the inferno From an itty bitty spark Coffee shop hustlers Rise with the cream A million of the writers Same Hollywood dream Your pen and paper All like bullets in the gun Write what you feel Say what you want In the red room We say what we say We do what we feel We gotta keep it real In the red room All about the crap So look, if you guys are grown, let's go ahead and get in. Mm-hmm.